Hello, I'm Alan Furstenberg. And I'm Mark Tucker, and we are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. So, so welcome back. Um, as, as folks might remember, last week we kind of were, were talking about a bunch of definitions, and it looked like it was getting a little bit long, so we figured we, we, we'd hold off there and we'll pick up here. So um, still work for you, Mark? That sounds good. Let's do it. But you mentioned the notion of, of cross-platform work before. And this yep. is where we, we get to mention one of our favorite uh, outside companies that we enjoy talking to. And that is Jovo. So, um, you know, I started, like I said, I started doing um, Alexa development, but also started doing uh, you know, Google Assistant and um, also Bixby. And there's a, a tool out there for developers. It's a framework um, that's built on top of kind of the basic plumbing of a request JSON in and a, and a response JSON out. Um, and it's called uh, Jovo, and its idea is that you can build, you know, a large percentage of the code the same because it, it's it's like if the user says this, then this intent happens, and and what happens uh, kind of under the covers is that a request comes in, and the even though it's coming from you know Google or from Alexa, it kind of has the same purpose. It has it's a request, and it's got you know. What what you want to accomplish and some information about the user and the session and and different things like that. What happens is Jovo looks at that JSON and determines, oh, this request is a Google request coming in, or this request is an Alexa request coming in, and it will kind of do the translation and and then you know call a handler for the launch action uh, or the the launch uh, launch intent or for the you know tell me a joke intent or whatever it is, um, and so a lot of the work that you would have to do, I guess you don't have to write two different, you know, one skill and one action. You can write one chunk of code. um, And in a lot of cases, it's going to be the exact same code for both. Now, if you've got something very specific, like, oh, I want to show something on the screen, um, that technology is going to be different on Google versus on, um, on, on Alexa. And so, you can say, oh, is this a, an Alexa request? Yes, then I want this response to do this or I want it to behave a little bit differently. And there's there's definitely differences. So it's not like 100%, like, you know, I guess for a very simple skill or action, it might be 100% of the logic is the same across both. But once you start using some of the app um, platform specific features, then you're going to need to do some, some differences uh, and check for that. But, the, but what Jovo allows you to do is to share a lot of the code that you can share and, and then specifically act differently based on, on, on what it is. And, and with Jovo, you know, they started off with allowing you to do an Alexa skill and a dialogue flow, uh, an action based on dialogue flow. Now they, they also allow you to do an action based on action builder uh, or a Bixby capsule. And, and actually they've got a lot more things. You can do something with Twilio or your own custom assistant or so their ideas is that, um, you've got these different platforms that you can plug in or turn on, and then it will check to see the request coming in and figure out what, what type of request is coming in. Now, one of, one of the things that I think is notable about uh, Jovo, and make sure I get this correct, is that it also is kind of letting you avoid all of the stuff, most of the stuff that we just talked about having to do in the console. So you're not just defining what I would call your business logic, Mm-hmm. You're also able to define through Jovo what are the phrases that people will say that trigger particular parts of the business logic and particular 
particular parts of the conversation. So you, you're defining all of that through Jova. Yeah. So there's, um, for both Action Builder and Alexa, you can get a, you know, JSON or like a collection of, of JSON files or configuration files that represent, this is the, the different phrases that, that a user can say for a specific intent. Um, Jovo has this universal, this idea of a universal model. So you can define it once. And in some cases you can define and say, okay, this is the, for this intent, there's these utterances and you know, maybe you've got different slots. For Alexa, that slot is going to be represented by a, by a number, uh, a t- data type and F, um, or slot type. And for uh, you know, assistant, it's going to be something else. And so you can define that all in one um, uh, file. And Jovo has a CLI, which is, a, you know, we've mentioned the CLI before. There's lots of CLIs <laughs> that you can do. So command line interface, it's just some command line tool that helps you do things. And in the case of Jovo, you can do a Jovo build um, CLI command, and it takes that universal model and, and converts it into what you would need for each of the different platforms. And then you could do a Jovo deploy and it would push those changes up to Alexa developer console or the, the uh, actions you know, on Google console or, um, and, and, and some cases even deploy your Lambda to AWS or, or what, whatever you're doing and allow you to you know, deploy this, the, your system. And, you know, and I think I make that distinction as important because one of the other cross-platform tools that we talk about frequently is a library that I've written called Multivocal, and it focuses on a much smaller part of that. It just focuses on if you're writing a webhook, what what are ways to make that webhook development easier on you? You know, so it doesn't try to say here's you structuring the entire language model, here's something that's gonna be cross-platform for the language model and, and the configuration. It just focuses on making the webhook multi-platform and, and right. handling your business logic side of it in a what I think is a relatively good way to handle the business logic side of it. So let's take a, a, let's take a step back. We've kind of talked about how we've got these magic hardware devices and these magic agents that live somewhere in the cloud that the hardware devices connect to. And we say stuff to the hardware devices and somehow this gets passed off to webhooks. Let's kind of break down a little bit about how that happens. So so the first thing that happens is our voice recording, it's a voice recording, gets uh, sent into the cloud and, and it's turned into text in something that we'll refer, we refer to usually as speech to text or sometimes as automatic speech recognition, ASR. Right. Um, and that does exactly what it says is it, it takes the audio that we've recorded and turns it into text. And it's, that's kind of important to know that the audio itself doesn't, isn't passed around all over the place. So when I'm writing a webhook, I don't need to be, I don't, I don't have access to that audio, what the user said. I just have access to a transcript of what they said. On Google. But if you're Alexa, you don't get access to the transcript. You're you right. get access to the intent that was selected based on the transcript and any slots, slot values that right. fill slots 
So, okay, so we've used this term a lot and we haven't defined it yet. What is an intent? How would you define intent? Um, I, I, an intent in the end is what the user wanted to happen. They can say different, they can say multiple things like tell me a joke, tell me a pun, uh, share something funny. There could be lots of different ways to say it, but in the end, they want a joke. Right. I like to think of it as this is what the user intends to do or intends right. to express. And one of the things that I always like to emphasize is that an intent doesn't represent what you do with it. So an intent is what the user is trying to do. What your webhook does or how you reply is different. Yeah, um, you, you, you could have a, uh, a skill or action that was contrarian and did exactly the opposite of what... Right. Or, you know, sometimes um, we might have an intent that just is there to capture the fact that the user has said yes or no. Yes. Now, what you do with that, that there's also, you know, there's all sorts of meaning behind yes or no. Yeah, it's really based on the context. You know, what was the question that was asked, um, you know, that was a yes or no answer? Or in some cases, it could be even crazy, like, Who's your favorite band? And your answer could be yes. yes. Um, that's an excellent point. Uh, and again, you just used another term there that we we toss around a lot. Yep. That uh, that we're not always clear on what the definition is. So so how do you view context? Um, context is the part of the conversation. I guess strictly if you're just talking about conversations, but if it is a, a multimodal device, it could be also like what's being shown on the screen. It's something that um, kind of kind of like a mile marker on the highway. It gives you a reference point. So like right now, I'm in an order, um, you know, like a reorder scenario, and they're like, "Would you like to reorder X?" And the answer is yes. So really. The, it's it's a it's a yes intent, but it's a yes I do want to reorder intent, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, I one of the nice things about Dialogflow is that it had direct support for what it called a context, and that was literally just saying it 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 held two two purposes. One is that it stored bits of information so that you could say, you know, if I am. Um, you know, what am I saying yes to? Could I be saying yes to this purchase order for this price? It could store the price as part of the context because it is part of an order context. Mm -hmm. Action Builder doesn't have context in quite the same way, but it does have what it refers to as a scene. And that scene kind of defines what intents that you can have or what slots can be filled at that moment. So it represents context in that way. And that gets into the notion of, well, I just used the term slot. What, you know, what's a slot? And how does that relate to an intent? Oh, and man. Yeah. So there's, so a slot is a placeholder. So if you were to say, uh, what is the weather in Seattle? Then Seattle, the city, would be a city, it would be a placeholder. And it would be likely, uh, you know, I guess you could write a custom type, but most of the time there's built in types for things like city names or things like that. So it's the, all the different words that would be, um, be a city plus synonyms that would be so close that it would map to that city, like New York, New York City, um, 
Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, Brooklyn. Yeah, those yeah. those types of things would would map. Um, and so, um, and and it could be more complicated than that. You can have intents um, that have no slots. You can have intents that have one slot. You can have intents that have multiple slots. You could have intents that and so like an utterance is the thing that you actually say. So you could have sample utterances that have zero slots, one slots, two slots, all for the same intent. Um, right. Because sometimes, you know, what you're trying to express may need, you know, you may be talking about either a range or an absolute time where a range is assumed or a range yep. is calculated. So like, so what's the weather assumed that it's today? What's the weather today? What's the weather tomorrow? What's the weather going to be next Tuesday? Right. Uh, what's, what's the weather going to be, you know, November the 25th, you know, whatever. So there's. Right. And, and all of these would fall under the same intent. They just all have slightly different phrases or terminology or utterances, each of which may have different slots. But I also think it's important kind of to say that sometimes there are subtleties between what exactly is an intent. So for example, if I said, is it going to rain today? That may be the same intent as what's the weather today, or yeah. it may be asking very specifically, is it going to rain? And as yeah, a- you want, Yeah, you may want the answer to be yes. You know, or, and you may not, or you may want the answer when you ask that specific question to be, the weather today is going to be, you know- right. And, and this is the, right, and this is the sort of thing that as developers we need to be aware of, but hopefully you're working with a good conversation designer yep. that is coming up with these intents and the slots and the different slot types or what Google refers to sometimes as an entity type and custom entities and, and having all of this stuff, hopefully you've got a good conversation designer that is helping you with this and designing those sorts of things and knows this terminology so you can speak the same language. No, you interesting because you had brought up and talked about context and kind of the two things that context does is helps you understand what the intent might mean based on where you are in the conversation flow. Um, but in some cases, like on Google's uh, case, you could turn on or off which intents are even listened for. Um, whereas in Alexa, all the intents are global on all the time. And so the context, a lot of times we refer to that as the state, which is like, where are you in the conversation? And sometimes you might have to handle or purposely not handle certain things and let it fall through to some sort of a, um, like a fallback or an unhandled handler because you don't wanna deal with those because it's not really what you want, but you still might get that input anyway. Right. And in, in some of those, so in cases like that, one of the things that Action Builder and Dialogflow kind of take care of for us is if it can't figure out a matching intent at that particular time, it will trigger either something that it calls a, a fallback intent, i.e. What, what should happen? What do, we tell, what do I tell you as a developer if I can't figure out what this is supposed to be? Or what we'll sometimes refer to as a no match intent or no match trigger or something, which is kind of what its name implies. Nothing matched. I don't know what the user is trying to say here. Uh, I give up. You figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know. And the fun way to test this when you're doing a skill or action is just say something crazy like Bazinga Pizza or something like that and just see what happens. That's great, except that works 
poorly now on the Google side because on the Google side, under certain circumstances, if it would be a no match for your action and Google says, oh, wait, I know how to handle that. It'll go and handle it. So if you said, you know, if you were trying to, you know, if you're doing a weather app and you want to test it and you say pizza, it'll think, oh, well, I guess you want to find pizza and it'll tell you where the local pizza store is, which yeah. <laughs> is, is frustrating as a developer, but it makes sense from a user's point of view. Yeah, it's, you know, the user's asking about pizza now. So right. let's, let's, so, let's go do what they you want. You can't handle pizza, so... So this is we're, we this has been a long conversation. So let's kind of rush through a couple of specific okay. technologies that we're seeing more and more about, and that you'll hear us referring to. So I think one of the the big ones that people ask about, or they'll be talking about in skill purchases, and that's kind of what its name suggests: is how do, how do we do commerce inside a skill or an action? And even on the action side, we'll refer to them as in skill purchases or ISPs. Uh, yeah, so so there's a way that you can tie. Well, since you're on the Alexa side of things, since you have um, your Alexa devices are associated with your Amazon account, and your Amazon account has information such as a credit card number, then you can, in third-party skills, allow them to buy you know virtual goods. Um, it could be a subscription. It could be a an item that you use one time. It could be an uh, like. Um, a number, a pack of hints or something like that. And uh, and you can go through and, and basically your skill code gets temporarily passed off to um, Alexa in this case, the, the, the kind of the 1P experience to do the transaction and get the approval. And, uh, and you don't even have to like talk about what your credit card number is, it just gets billed. Um, and then it comes back into your skill experience and you can then immediately use um, that power up that you just yep. purchased or something. And, and Google has similar things under various different names. And we talked about all of this stuff back at episodes 45 and 46. So <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time on this one. Feel free to go back and look at that. Um, I guess a, a related one is what I think both platforms refer to as account linking. And this is just making it so that if you have a service that has your own set of accounts, well, how do you connect your accounts to the user trying to, to use it through a skill or an action, your skill in action. Right. And account linking is the, the way to do that. And it, there's a lot to that one that definitely, I don't know. Have we ever done a show on account linking? I feel like I we know. must have. I think so. We'll have to um, go back and look now. Yeah. We'll have to, to link to that in the show notes. Um, but those are two, really, really, really big technologies that people are almost always talking about. Um, I think the next one is, okay, smart speakers are great. Both of us love voice in and voice out, but uh, these days there's a lot of talk about visuals. Multimodal. Multimodal. And there's a lot going on in the multimodal world. So, so what do we have in the multimodal world on Alexa? And so what did that- we have? Yeah, so so we've got uh, you know adding a screen to it, so that could be you know the original Echo or Echo Two and Echo Spot, Echo Show Five, Echo Show Ten, <laughs> fifteen, twenty. No, I don't. It's just uh, there's just a lot uh, of things, and so what you need to do now is still have a very solid voice first experience, 
but then you might want to show visuals and, you know, it might be different if it's a game, like a quiz game versus if it's more of an interactive, like board game or simulator, um, you might want, you know, have technologies that are available for you, or you might want to choose one technology over another, or if it's, even if it's a business app or like, Hey, I want to, you know, reorder a prescription or something. So, you know, what do you want to show information about your prescription? So there's lots of reasons why you might want to show something on a screen. Um, and so then you get your, you know, your smart displays and, uh, and, and the technology that, that will show things on screens. So, so what are those technologies on the Alexa side? So on the Alexa side, historically, um, let's start historically, with historically, okay. It started out when I first started out in 2016, you could do cards. So what happens is that you could say something and it would send a card, which was a very simple title and some text or maybe an image. And you'd have to go into your mobile phone to go to the Alexa app, which is what you use to set up and configure your devices. Um, and you could see a card in that app. So that's that's how it started. That was the first technology. And then uh, in the middle of uh, 2017, they came out with uh, display templates. And it, there were only a handful, I think seven uh, types of display templates, some of them for details, some of them for lists, simple JSON format, but you could show some information and not very much interactivity at all. It was mostly display, but it could show right on your Echo the original Echo Show and your Echo Spot device. So just recently, um, I think August of this year, then they've deprecated uh, display templates. And now the technology that you'd use most often is uh, Alexa presentation language, also known as APL. And it is a JSON-based uh, display and templating language that you could then use. And, th and, and actually, that, that's the primary technology that you would use uh, when you see anything that's on a on a screen on on an Alexa device, is it's probably APL. Now, and you have a whole series of um, presentations that you do about yeah. helping people learn how to use APL. Yeah. So, um, if if you're interested in APL, then definitely check out um, the the website APL.ninja. It's kind of like CodePen, but for APL. And you can just uh, find me on there, and you can see a whole bunch of samples. Um, and uh, a lot of those have been in, done in conjunction with Dabble Labs. So you can find a link um, from the APL description to a video that will walk you through and teach you about the image component or the uh, text component or the container component. Or you can also search for Dabble Lab APL and my name um, on YouTube, find the video, and there will be a link that will link you back to APL Ninja. Okay. Now, on the Google side, we've had uh, cards for a while now. I think I don't remember if they, they launched, but they started. It came up pretty early afterwards because the assistant was supported on mobile devices up front. Mm -hmm. um, and that's still, in a lot of ways, for a lot of conversational components, cards are still the way to, to get that information out there. Um, a couple of years back, they introduced what they referred to as the interactive canvas. And that's the ability to use... HTML and CSS and JavaScript and web technologies that we're familiar with to create full screen interactive displays and inter interactive systems for smart displays and for uh, Android. The catch is that there is a policy limitation on it. Initially, you could only use the interactive canvas for games. Now you can only use it for 
uh, games, tutorial type things, and for uh, storybook, storytelling. Um, so that's, that's a policy decision right now, but the interactive canvas is, uh, is a pretty exciting technology. And there is an equivalent of that on the Alexa side called, let me make sure I get this correct, web API for games. Did I get it right this time? Yeah, so it's, 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 it's fairly similar idea where you can use you know, your own um, JavaScript, HTML, uh, CSS, or, or, or even JavaScript game engine. Um, and what what's, happens is that your device is really hosting a browser instance that then is going to a website, which is, 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 is the uh, visual content. Um, and, and it's only limited. It's, it's you know, obviously web API for games is in the title. So it's right now it's only limited, well, it, you know, policy limited to games only. Um, but yeah, very similar in, in purpose, um, like interactive canvas, yep. but, of but of course different. Right, and we've had a ton of episodes on, on all three of these technologies. So uh, we'll refer you back to those. Um, but you know, that, that's for visual stuff. When it comes to audio, we will often talk about uh, the, the text-to-speech part of the whole thing. There's plain old text-to-speech, but there's a lot of things that you can do to enhance that. And a lot of that is done with a technology called SSML, or the Speech Synthesis Markdown Language, which is a, uh, an XML-based language. Looks a lot like HTML, not too surprising, given that it was kind of based on HTML that lets you do things like embed audio clips in the response or change how the voice comes across. And we've done some several segments on SSML yep. and uh, your major contribution to the field as well on this. And that's speech markdown. Yeah. So speech markdown is the idea that uh, in HTML, you've got a lot of complexity, uh, complexity and, um, and flexibility but sometimes you just want to get the basics done and you can use you know, Markdown to do that. So uh, you can do HTML or Markdown. And so in the voice formatting world, there was only SSML. Um, and so uh, I introduced a, an open source project called Speech Markdown, which is, is similar in, in concept of, of a simplified syntax for formatting text, plus the added ability since each platform like Alexa, you know, Google, Bixby, others implement SSML differently. It allows you to, um, to detect which platform is being, um, that you want to translate the SSML for, and it will you know, translate it slightly differently or within, you know, within syntax um, for, for that platform. Yep. Now, one of the other technologies that's out there is APLA or APL for audio. Yes. Want to touch on that briefly. So APL for audio is, it's interesting because it's got a similar name to APL, Alexa Presentation Language. So it's using some of the same fundamentals as far as it's a JSON syntax and there's ability to, to define uh, different things. And, and there's like data binding and there, there's things that, that are common across both APL and a, APLA. But the idea was is that if we want to add additional functionality to audio, then I think uh, Amazon was thinking maybe SSML is not the place to do it. Maybe we need a new, new technology to do that. And so 
um, like like Google, for example, if they want, if you want to play overlapping audio, you could they introduce some custom tags to SSML to allow that to happen. Um, Amazon's answer was not to do the custom tags in SSML, but instead to allow multiple um, like parallel audio to play to um, APLA. So it's interesting the fact that you, so you you can return back as part of your response, some APLA, which has this information. And by the time it gets down to the device, it will mix the audio, but it's just a different way to do it. That was a lot. That, that was, and I don't, I, and I think we stopped in the middle when we were talking about ASR, because like once you get the text with the ASR, then you have to understand oh, what yeah. that text meant. And so then you would do the natural language understanding portion of things. And sometimes you can merge the ASR and NLU together and maybe say these are the types of things I'm looking for. So if there's a word that I I could translate as one thing or the other thing, I might lean towards the other thing because it was something that was showing up in the list of you know language model definition for your you know natural right, language so, understanding. So. so we so we have these terms NLU and NLP, natural language understanding and natural language processing. And I don't think there is there is a lot of people kind of use them interchangeably sometimes, and sometimes they mean very specific things with them. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in the general concept of how do we turn this text into an intent? That's kind of, that's, that's where that fits in. Now it's interesting, increasingly, we're seeing a lot of systems out there that are, are doing NLU and NLP, but not trying to do intents with them. They're trying to be more holistic of a response. And you know, so you're you're seeing some of these NLU NLP technologies that are doing more neural-based understanding, and then getting the results and trying to feed that into a general-purpose text responder like GPT three. Um, that's all still kind of leading-edge stuff. I don't think yeah. we're you're seeing people trying to do it. I don't think you're seeing a lot of success yet. Yeah, it's a lot a lot of experimentation at this point. So, okay, I think that's really all of the words that we had written down, at least for now. <laughs> I'm sure we've forgotten at least a dozen. Yeah, but hopefully this, this kind of brain dump of sorts with this, all this terminology, maybe you know, us talking about it and maybe putting, putting them together will help at least you know, clarify some different things for you or, or help you understand what questions you, you want to ask or, or search for. Right, and I was gonna, you know, knowing what to ask for is at least the first major step. Yep. And if you do have questions, if you do have concerns, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on LinkedIn or leave comments in the, the section below here on YouTube. We are more than happy to help you to answer your questions and uh, maybe we'll bring them up again in a future episode of Two Voice Devs. Two voice devs. Take care, Alan. You as well, Mark. Have a good weekend. All right, you too.